Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. So we do invite you to remain risen in body or in spirit as we hear the reading and participate in the reading of God's Word together. Our scripture today comes from the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's Holy Word. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially that the, now that the day of his return is drawing near. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, God, we are just so thankful that we are gathered in this place with your people today. Lord, we pray that that the same God who has brought revelation to his people throughout time will bring revelation and insight today into this word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So what motivates your decisions? Why do you do the things that you do? Why are you wearing the, the clothes that you are choosing to wear? I know that some of you are probably very careful and you you picked out an outfit um, that that matches and that goes with all sorts of stuff. Others of you just grabbed what was clean, hopefully, right? Um, What is it about your morning routine? Why do you do the things that you do in the morning? Why are you here today or watching online? Why did you pull into a parking spot? Why did you sit where you sat, right? Where our life is full of constantly making decisions. And so what is it that motivates our decisions? Now, as I was thinking about this, I thought that our decisions are actually made by our dispositions, our directives, our desires, and our desperations, all right? Our dispositions, our directives, our desires, and our desperations. And so let's kind of walk through um, what it is that we do. So our dispositions are our habitual patterns of behaviors. It's the things that we just sort of do automatically. There's a book called The Power of Habit, and it estimates that about 40% of our decisions are sort of automatically decided by our habits. In fact, that is what we are. We say that we are creatures of habit. And so my guess is, is that you parked in about the same parking spot that you always have if you've come to this church for a while. You entered into the doors that you normally entered into and you are sitting where you almost always sit. Now, I know occasionally somebody sits in your seat, all right? They don't know they, they messed up the world, but it's okay because you adjust by sitting as close as possible to your seat that you can, right? 
We are these creatures of habit. It's what we, we do. We have these dispositions. 40% of your day is just automatic, right? I think about driving. And have you ever been driving down the road and realized, where did those last 25 miles go? Right? That it's just a habit, a disposition of again and again that we have so much of our decisions, our dispositions. This is why healthy habits matter so much. Right? If you have a healthy habit of, of going to work out and you're able to continue to do that, it's such a good thing. Um, and it's so easy because it's a pattern and it's a ritual. But for those who aren't in the habit, it's hard to get in that habit, right? And it's real easy to fall out of that habit. We've all done that. Or think about that's one reason why we as a church are reading scripture together and, and we've been encouraging people to, to read through the Bible is so that we get in the routine and the disposition and the habit of opening up God's word and listening to it. And maybe you've gotten out of the habit, you were doing good for a while, but um, I just want to encourage everybody. We just started the New Testament on Thursday, so jump back in the habit. Um, it, Matthew's way better, all right? Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are way better, in my opinion, than Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. They're all scripture, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is just more fun and exciting, and it's about Jesus. So let's give it a try, and uh, let's walk together to get in a healthy habit and disposition of reading God's Word and having this time of prayer. We need these healthy habits and dispositions, and some of them are good, and some of them are not so good. Another reason why we make decisions is because we have directives. Our directives are the behaviors that we choose because an authority person has instructed us to do that. So one of the great things that happened uh, just a few minutes ago is I said, you may be seated, and you all just, boop, sat down. What power I think I could have sometime, right? Uh, uh, you know, like, right, there are times in which we do something because an authority figure has told us that we need to do this. Uh, uh, you stop at red lights because an authority has said you need to stop at the red light, that there is a directive that has happened. Sometimes we do things because a boss or a teacher has told us to do that. Sometimes at home we do things because a boss has told us to do that. And rooms get clean, and kids' rooms get cleaned because they have been directed to do so. Maybe there's a few strange kids that just love to clean their room, but they don't live in my house, right? But we do things because we are directed to do so. Another reason why we make decisions is that we have desires. Our desires are the choices that we make because of an internal motivation. And so sometimes we have a motivation. We, we want to, to get stronger, so we start to, to lift weights. We, we want to get healthier, so we begin to eat right, right? We make these internal decisions about who we want to become or what we want to do. Um, sometimes our desires were lonely, and so we seek out friendships, Sometimes our desires are that we're hungry, and so we seek out Mexican food, right? That we have all of these things, that these inward motivations, something comes up, and we act and we respond in those, and it's a decision that's made. And sometimes our desires are good, and sometimes our desires are not so good that we have. And sometimes we do things out of desperation. Our desperation is what we do based on our fears or our urgent needs. Sometimes, again, it can be a good thing that we do. We're desperate to save a relationship, we're desperate to get into college, we're desperate to, to take that next step, and so we do something significant to be able to happen. But sometimes, even out of our desperation, we do things that we aren't proud of or that we hope to do, but because we're desperate, we do it anyways. You know, one of the things I've heard people say is that there's no atheist in, in foxholes, and, and I really learned that, that lesson 
um, really well when I was in a pastor in Mulder, Oklahoma, which is out in eastern Oklahoma. We had a, a lady at church, her name was Lucille, and, and Lucille was in her 90s. She was a remarkable woman. Um, and Lucille was at church every, every Sunday. And I knew that if the weather got so bad and it was icy and snowy, that I better be there and have a sermon ready because Lucille would be there and she had a key to the church. And she would be there coming down off the mountain. One of her sons knew he would have had to go get Lucille to bring her there because she was going to be in church every Sunday. Now, one of the reasons why Lucille was in church every Sunday, um, I never had the privilege of meeting her husband. He passed away before I got there. But when he, her husband was in the war and in a foxhole, he made a, a, a desperate act. He said, God, if you will get me out of this, my family and I will never miss a Sunday at church. And they held on to that promise, that act of desperation, that hope that would happen week after week after week. Why redo these things that are desperate? And we are, in some ways, this is sort of our routine and our pattern, and we just keep moving along about our, our day until a disruption happens, right? And then all of a sudden, we have to readjust and, and reimagine our world. Well, a couple of years ago, a great disruption happened, right? And all of these things, our dispositions, our directives, our desires, and our desperations, all of these came into play. All of a sudden, all the things that we were used to doing, like going to church and going to work and going to the grocery store, all of those things suddenly changed. Our dispositions, what do I do on a normal day when I um, don't have to get dressed in the same way? How do I function when I... Um, not sure exactly how to function, right? We had new directives. Our, our government said to, to stay home. Our leaders said don't go anywhere for a period of time, right? Um, and, and we as a church, uh, and I think all of us were just trying to do the best that we could in this time. You know, we paused in-person worship for a, a period of time and uh, we gathered online, but it was a, this different routine, right? Our desires may have even changed. Some of you may have all of a sudden realized that you just loved being at home. Now, it got a little old for some of you, but others of you are like, this is like snow day. I love snow days, just snow day after snow day after snow day, right? And so we, we maybe realized we had a desire to be with our family in a way that we hadn't, or maybe we realized we had a desire to not be as close to some of our family um, over time, right? But there are desires, and even there was a desperation that we saw that took place in our society, right? Because normal people don't hoard toilet paper, but desperate people do. And we saw desperate acts that would happen in our time, right? So this, this great disruption came, and it messed up our decision-making. And one of the things that it really messed up was church and our church community. Because again, we, we, we paused worship for a while, and we were only online, and, and we didn't have Sunday school class for an even longer period of time, and, and there was this rhythm of life, and, and we saw people who got out of the habit of, of church we saw people who went from one church to another church. We, all of this stuff began to, to be disrupted, and our relationships with one another were harder and more difficult because we weren't together in the same place. And that reminds me of rats. Now, I know that when you came, you were expecting a rat story, and so here is a rat story. Um, there was an experiment that was done, and they ended up calling this rat park. And what they would do is that they put um, these individual rats in these cages and they gave them choices where they could either have water 
or water that was laced with morphine. And so these rats in all of these different cages had a choice between water or water that would null pain and dim it. And what they saw is that these rats in individual cages would overwhelmingly choose the, the water that was laced with morphine. These lonely rats needed something to resolve and relieve the pain. Now, the fascinating thing that happened would be in Rat Park. They would have a group of rats who would be living together, and they gave them the choice of water or water with morphine. Now, what the person um, who was doing the experiment, they said that there are always rats who will choose the water with morphine. But by and large, most of them preferred just plain water. Isn't that interesting? That rats need community. They, they are so much better when they have each other to be with that they don't need something to dull the pain. Now, what we saw during the pandemic is that there was a spike in addictive behaviors, things that people do to, to dull the pain. Now, there's lots of things that you and I and that we do to dull the pain. But alcohol use went up. Um, I don't have to tell you in Oklahoma, marijuana use went up. Um, Addictive behaviors like pornography went up. I would imagine that there was more cell phone games played than ever before during that time, right? That we would do anything to null and diminish the pain that we are experiencing because we did not have our community, we did not have our fellow rats that we could be with. And that's really one of the things that you and I need the most is we need people to be in community with. You know, when I was uh, during the pandemic, and again, I think we all were doing the best that we could, I talked about how we were together-ish. And we would do drive-in worship, and you'd be able to see your friends, and we'd honk our horns, and it was a great time. But it's not the same as togetherness. And what you need is not just to be together-ish with people, but we need true experiences of togetherness. And that's one of the reasons why I've loved this text for a long, long time. And it says these words. It said, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Do not neglect meeting together. It's easy to do. And again, for so a lot of people, we got out of the habit of church. We got out of the habit of community groups and Sunday school classes, and maybe you are part of a small group, and it's easy to get out of that habit. And not even because of the pandemic. Sometimes life just changes and we get out of the habit. We're coming up on meal and ministry, our Wednesday night ministry. I really hope that you can participate in it. But one of the things I've seen, not just in this church, but in every church, is that the attendance that we start with and the attendance that we end with is not the same. And one of the funny things that happens is in the middle of our Wednesday night, we're going to take fall break off. And you would think that that one week was two months. Because we're like, oh, well, we just get out of that habit, that disposition, that routine. And so one of the things I'm just going to encourage people to do is just keep walking all the way through. It's easy to stop. It's easy to get out of the habit. It's easy to miss. And it feels hard to restart. And so we have to make it intentional. We have to choose to be there. And we have to choose because something happens when we gather together that's powerful. Now, one of the things that I believe and that I've come to understand more and more is that everybody you meet is under-encouraged. Everybody that you encounter is under-encouraged. They feel overlooked. They feel 
undervalued. They feel like people do not see what they do. I mean, I know that there are people in this church who, who I don't know the ways they're serving this church. They may be making prayer shawls. They, they may be volunteering with the Methodist men or the Methodist women that I don't see. And, and they want to do it for the Lord's sake. But it's nice when somebody sees and notices as well. And so I want to say thank you to those who feel underappreciated. Thank you for what you do. I know there are people in this room who are taking care of loved ones. Maybe they're taking care of their parents. Maybe they're taking care of a, a younger sibling, or maybe they're taking care of some grandkids, and, it, and it's a whole lot going on. And nobody knows the trouble that you go through but you, and I just want to say thank you for what you do. And I want to encourage you that what you are doing, even though people don't see it, it makes a difference. I think about people who maybe their mental health hasn't been the best, and the best they could do that day was to get dressed and to show up. And that was a huge effort just to do and they're still anxious and scared about what might be going on. And just the anxiety or depression might just be a whole lot. And I want you to know that we just appreciate you being present and showing up. Everybody you meet is under-encouraged. And if I can remember that as I interact with people, then I want to be an encouraging force everywhere we go. I was talking to one of my mentors, a guy by the name of, of Arden Autry. He worked at the church in Tulsa. One of those wise gentlemen. Arden was with us a year ago. Some of you might remember him. He, he led the, the Sunday morning community groups, the Sunday school classes um, at First Methodist in Tulsa for a while. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, Aaron, people come to Sunday school classes for one reason, and that's to be encouraged. They want to be encouraged by the word of God, and they want to be encouraged by other people. They come to be encouraged, and so we can't forget to serve as a place of encouragement. And really, that's what I see in this text, is that, is that the reason why we gather together is to encourage one another. We need to encourage one another to hope. It says this in verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And so we hold on to hope. And so when we gather together, we encourage each other with the hope of the truth of the word of God. I mean, we just sang that song, He is the same God. You, you, you touched lepers then, you're touching hearts right now. You're the same God. And we need to remember that God is faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and yes, even forever. And we need to be people who hold on to this hope that even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes, and even though we're unsure how God is working, that God is working. And sometimes we just need that prompting and that remindering to be encouraged with hope. We need to encourage people to love each other, right? This is what our text says. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Another version says to spur one another on. And sometimes we need that, right? We need people who will look at us and will say, you know what, I think you would be a great person to help teach our Sunday school class. And you should take the time and the energy to be able to do that. We need people who, who will encourage us and say, man, you have a wonderful voice. Thank you so much for singing out. We need to encourage people to love and good deeds, to prompt people, to nudge people. This is what I feel like I should do as a pastor is just really to, to nudge people. I don't really try to push, I just try to nudge and encourage people to love and good deeds. And so we're going to need people to help serve at Western Days. Um, and that's just a, a little chance that we have just to nudge people in the right way, to love and good deeds. Because not just people in our church are feeling under-encouraged, but people throughout our community feel that way as well. What would it look like if we could encourage people to love and good deeds? But most of all, what we need to do is encourage each other. 
Let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. And this is the gift that we can have for each other, is that we can serve as an encouragement. And one of the things that is such a gift is that your presence is a gift. I know for a fact that when you are out there singing, it encourages these people that are right here. When they see people engage, it lifts their hearts. And also, when you are here present, sometimes you may think, I know that you can watch it, and I'm so thankful that we have the technology where if you're not able to make it because you're sick or you're out of town, that you don't have to miss out. But it's different when you're watching in your living room because we don't get to see you. And it's an encouragement to look across the pews and to see somebody you know and to see them smiling, to see them worshiping, to know you're not alone in this. And so just our mere presence often can serve to encourage each other. Now, I probably haven't said at this point in time in my sermon anything you didn't know except for the part about the rats. Maybe some of you knew about the rats too. But for most of us, you're like, Aaron, I know that community is important. I know that this is what I'm supposed to do, what I want, but it's hard. And there's no denying it's hard. There's no denying that community is hard. Why? One, because people are messy. Um, if, if people were perfect, community would be a lot better, right? But if, people were, if only perfect people were allowed, none of us would be welcomed. And so we deal with messy people, and sometimes that can be really hard because we've been hurt. Some of you have been burned in a Sunday school class or a small group or in a church, and it's a hard place to be. So I'm sorry that that happened, and we want to walk with you in the midst of that. I want you to have boundaries as you walk with people so you don't get burned in the same way. But I'm going to encourage you to take that step of faith to be present, and to encourage. I'm going to encourage you to take whatever the next step that you feel that God is leading. Sometimes it's hard because we're so busy. I mean, this is part of what we talked about as a staff, is that just busyness, 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 busyness. And so what we have to do is we have to choose and we have to prioritize what's important. And again, we need to make it part of our routine and our schedule. And here, as your pastor, what I want to say is that I do believe that the most important thing for spiritual and faith development is intentional, Christ-centered community. That that is more important than anything else, more important than your Bible reading, more important than your time of prayer, more important even than the worshiping gathering. What I would say is the most important thing is intentional, Christ-centered community where you are known and you are loved and you are seen and you are valued. And where you're, if, if you're not there, you're missed. Now, there's a few different ways that you can do this. We have it on Sunday morning. Um, uh, you might have a small group that you're meeting. You might have an Emmaus reunion group, or you might just call and gather some people together, but you need this intentional Christ-centered community. One of the ways that I have it is every Monday morning at 8 o'clock, I meet with a couple of my friends from seminary. It is my time to be spiritually formed, and every Monday, it's on my calendar, 8 o'clock, we meet. Now, does life come up sometimes? Absolutely. And so sometimes one of the three of us can't meet, and that's okay. Um, and, and we just roll with it. But every Monday we schedule it, and every Monday we do our best to be there. Um, and it has to become priority. And if, it, if you don't make it priority, it will not be priority. It's not going to just happen. That intentional Christ-centered community does not just happen. It's that first word that matters. It has to be intentional. You have to choose it. You have to make time for it. And you have to orient your life around, to me, the most important thing. People who love you and know you and who want you to be shaped and formed by Jesus Christ. Because that's the next part of it. It has to be a Christ-centered. It's not just friends getting together, as wonderful as that is. I'm a huge fan of friends being together. 
But we need to be centered on Christ and who God is and what God has done. We need to be formed as a community around Jesus. It's not just what Aaron wants. It's about what Jesus is doing. We need this Christ-centered community. And then we need this community. I believe that we are all different. And we need each other. I need the people I disagree with. I need the people who see the world in a, in a different way than I do. I need people whose life has been different than I do because they help me to see and to experience the breadth and the depth of God's world. And they see God's word in a different perspective, and I need that. We need this common unity. Our commonness comes through being Christ-centered and through being intentional with one another. And our unity comes that we choose each other. We're going to choose to walk. It doesn't mean we're always going to agree. It means we're going to challenge. And sometimes we need people to pat us on the back. And other times we need people to slap us in the face, figuratively, not literally. I'm not a fan of slapping people. But just sometimes we need those people who could tell you the truth. Do you have anybody who would tell you the truth from a Christ-centered perspective? You need that. Sometimes I need to be told, Aaron, wake up. Aaron, you're afraid again. We need people who can speak that truth into our lives. So how do we do it? Well, it's what we talked about at the very beginning. The first thing is we have to have a disposition. We have to make this intentional Christ-centered community a habit. Again and again, we're going to choose it. We got out, some of us got out of the habit with COVID. Um, we got to choose again and again to make it a habit, to make it a priority. Is life going to come up? Absolutely. But you need to schedule it. You need to make it priority. Two, we need to understand that it's a directive from God. God has commanded community. He says in his words, do not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. It's a command from God. It's a directive to each and every one of us. And so one of the things we say up here is that the Bible matters here. And so if the Bible matters here, then we need to take what it says seriously. And part of that is saying, you need to not neglect meeting together. And you need to choose community and to choose each other. And if you want, uh, I, uh, if you want pastoral authority, here's what I'm going to say. Do it. Find yourself some people and get in community. It's that important. It's the most important thing you can do. So God and your pastor has told you what to do. Now just go and do it as if it's that easy. You need to understand your desires. You were made for community. None of us, it's uh, in the very beginning, it says, and God saw that it was not good that man should be alone. We are designed for community. We're designed for relationships. It's a need that each of us has. And ultimately, there's a desperation. Because Jesus was so desperate for you to be a part of his community that he died to be with you. I mean, that's part of what that scripture says. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And do you notice here, notice the pronouns that he used. He doesn't say I, he doesn't say you. It says, and since we have a great high priest over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. We are in this together. It's not about me. The best way into God's presence is together. And that's what we are called to do. And so we need to be desperate that our lives and our futures are on the line when we choose community. So how do we do this? I want to get just real practical with you all for just a second. In a couple of weeks, we're, next week we're going to finish the You're Invited series, um, but then on September the 11th we're going to begin a new sermon series called The Good Place. Um, it's one of my favorite shows by the way, but I don't know if you all have watched it. If you haven't, it's great. Um, but we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. 
In fact, Jesus talked more about the kingdom than he did anything else. The second thing he talked about was money. The first thing he talked about was the kingdom. So what does it mean to live in God's kingdom today? So we're going to have a a new sermon series that's going to begin. Um, I hope that you guys are here for this. But part of what we're going to do is we have a new community group, small group curriculum that we are going to have as part of it as well. And so Pastor Levi has written this curriculum, and I think most of our Sunday school classes are going to be doing that. It's going to be a companion to go alongside. Um, And it's going to be just a great chance for us to walk together in this way. And so we'd love it if you would try a class or try a community group and just see. We've got a lot of different options that are available. If you want to start a group, we're here to help you. Um, And so maybe some of you are going to start a group. You're like, hey, Sunday morning won't work, but I want to try something on Thursday night. Let's help you out, and we'd love to do it. We are going to be starting three new um, uh, five-week community groups that are going to begin that Sunday on September the 11th. I'm going to be doing one um, for our young adults, our 20-somethings. It's, uh, it's hard for our, our, our young adults to find a place, so I'm going to be doing that. I'd love to, to have you. We're going to meet in my office beginning at 945-ish. Um, we are going to have uh, Walt and Kathy Davis who go to our first service. They're going to be hosting an intergenerational group that's going to be new in meeting, and so we're excited about that. And then also Richard Nix um, is going to be hosting a, a, a men's group. And so um, if, you, uh, if you don't have a group, we'd love to help connect you with a group and with a class to be able to, to find your place and give community a try for five weeks as we walk together. Maybe the community you're going to try is going to be on Wednesday night, um, and you're going to begin meal and ministry. We have lots of great options. Again, I'm so excited about the early bird stuff that we're going to do. Um, and so I'm going to be doing early bird. I'm going to be doing one on... Um, what am I doing? Oh, the Holy Land. I went to Israel uh, in May. I'm going to be sharing about my insights from the Holy Land. We'd love to see you there. Um, after dinner, I'm going to be hosting a group for fathers. Um, and just how do we walk as fathers together? Fathers of all ages is really what I, I hope it to become. And so we want to just invite you to that. We've got other great classes. Please, please, please give it a try. Now, part of what I want to have happen on those days is I want to have September 11th to be No Shame Sunday. All right. So let me tell you a story. When I was a pastor in Muldrow, um, we, ha- we didn't have a lot of young families. And one of our young families that we did have, they were habitually late. And so they would come into the, the, the they'd come in and, and one of our, our dear greeters, um, every time they came in would say, well, don't you know what time service starts? Oh, it's about time. Now they meant well, I hope. But do you know what that young father told me? He said, Aaron, we do everything we can to show up. Getting our boys ready in the morning is not easy. And if you look around, there's not a whole lot of people like us here. And when, when somebody comes and welcomes me back and says, makes one of those comments every Sunday, it hurts. So if you haven't been in a Sunday school class or haven't been in church and you've been watching and you're ready to come on back, we're not going to say, hey, where you been? It's about time. Can we agree to do this? We're just going to say we're so glad to see you. Welcome. We're just going to enjoy and walk together as people of God and people of faith. And so throughout this series, we've been inviting people to um, different things. And so the first Sunday, we invited people to bless. Uh, last Sunday, we invited people to, to share a meal together. Um, and, and this Sunday, we want to invite you to invite people to intentional Christ-centered community. It may be something you're already a part of. You may be trying one of our new things and you want to invite somebody to join you. It doesn't have to be somebody in this church. 
It can be somebody outside the church. Come with me on Wednesday night. Come with me on Sunday morning. But just be the person who makes an invitation. Because one of the things that that invitation does is it encourages people. Because it tells them, I want you to be with me. And that's one of the most important things that we can do. I want you to be with me. And you may be nervous and you may be afraid of rejection, but don't worry about that. Because if you go with the spirit of love, I believe good things will happen. Love goes first is something I heard a pastor say one time, and that's just held with me. You know, one of the the neat things that happened back in um, February of 2020, we started these Linton small groups. We didn't know that the pandemic was about to happen. If we had known that, I would have bought stock in Zoom. Um, but um, what, we invi- what we invited people to do was to have these Linton small groups. And uh, one of, there was a couple, and they were sitting next to another couple. Um, had been This other couple was newer to the church, and they'd seen them, and they'd said hi, and they did the 30 to 45-second conversations that we do with people who sit around us. And they said, do you think they would be interested in being a part of a small group? And I was like, Sure. So they went and they invited them. And they said yes. And so they started to meet. And then when the pandemic happened, they transitioned into meeting on Zoom. And it became one of the most powerful hours, hour and a half, that that group spent together. Because it was their connection of community in a time of togetherness-less. Togetherness-less. Something like that. And as they did this, a friendship began to form. And so in addition to meeting as a small group on Zoom, they found other times to meet during the week. And then as the pandemic wound down, they, they had time just to be together and enjoy each other's company and their friends now. Maybe your friend is right around you and you just don't know it yet. And what would it be like for us to be encouraging people and invite people to join us and to take that journey of faith? Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.